In this episode of the Lost Words Podcast, Jason and I caught up with newly turned professional Noah Hoffman. Noah was originally planning to qualify for the McKenzie Tour this season, which has unfortunately been cancelled. Um, so he's just been playing on the mini tours this year, trying to uh, build up his profile and, and get some wins on board. And he's just departing on a 16-hour trip over to Nevada to play in the um, Outlaw Tour this week. Um, and it was really good just to hear about his confidence, how he knows how good his game is, but he's been overlooked so far. Uh, and he just really wants to test himself and prove that he can play at the highest level. I'll be too nervous to, I'll probably be lost for words. Here at Lost for Words, uh, we're always looking for varied content and we're happy to have had experienced PGA and European tour professionals and caddies, as well as other golf associates. And today we're very pleased to welcome virtually brand new professional Noah Hoffman to the podcast. How are you doing, Noah? I'm not doing too bad. How are you guys doing? Not bad. I'm glad we caught up. I know there's eight hours difference, I think. So I hope I haven't got you up too early or anything. I presume you've been down the gym doing your first three hours of weights or something, have you? <laughs> uh, not quite this morning. It's kind of a... It's definitely a light day today with the event next week yet, so. Excellent, excellent. Well, last night you finished your, I think it's your second full professional event at the Southern Dunes on the Outlaw Tour. You eventually finished tie 24th with uh, even par final round, which was only, don't like to remind you, but it was only one place outside actually getting a paycheck. How do you, you feel the tournament went? Um, I mean, after the first round, I, I felt like I was pretty comfortable on the course and I mean, I just kind of tried to stick to the same game plan the second round after shooting three under. But, I mean, it was it was kind of breezy in the afternoon the second day, and I just couldn't really get into a rhythm. And But I just stay, tried to stay as patient as I could and waited till 14, 15, and 16 and had three in a row there to, to give me a pretty good cushion. So, I mean, I, I felt like that was good to do that, especially after missing the cut last week kind of being in that same same situation right on the bubble of the cut so i felt like it was good to redeem myself like i did this week yeah absolutely i mean anybody who um who like me follows the uh you, you got a tracker out on twitter the noah hoffman yeah. tracker, which is which is absolutely awesome we get live coverage well virtually live coverage recorded coverage of be your best shots it's almost as good as the tiger woods tracker i have to be honest with you so we i know that you're one shot above the cut line halfway through the second round and then you go on that birdie blitz three in a row. When you're playing, you're obviously aware of that cut line, are you? You know what you have to do, or do you ignore it and just play just play your game? I mean, I try not to really – I try not to let it get in the way too much, but kind of in the back of your mind, you kind of have that thought thinking, oh, maybe I'm kind of – maybe I'm on the bubble right now of the cut line. And I'm, I, I feel like that's kind of how I got last week. And it just kind of got to me on the last three because I was like two over on the last three and missed the cut by two. And I don't know. It's just I, I just think it's something that I'm going to improve on the more experience I get. So I, I, I just think that's a big factor is just the experience side of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I take you back right to the beginning then if we covered yesterday? For those that may not know, you've had a very smart high school, college, uni career. When was the first time you sort of picked the club up and – did you know that that was the sport for you? Because we often hear in America, a lot of kids get a numerous uh, sports just shoved on and they're playing four, five, six sports at a time. They end up with golf for what, many, many reasons. Some get injured on the bigger sports, some obviously natural golf. What was it with you? 
I mean, it was my dad that kind of put a club in my hand when I was about three or four years old. And I would just go out to the – he would take me out to the golf course with him on the weekends and stuff when he'd go out and play and all that. And I'd play with him. And I, I was actually golfing left-handed right off the bat and never switched because there's, there's a lot of people, young kids, that start out left-handed, but then they switch over to right-handed. I, I, I have no idea why that is, but I just never switch back, which is weird because I'm actually right-hand dominant, but golf left-handed. So, I mean, I didn't really get too serious about it until I would say about maybe sixth grade and junior high is when I really started to play a lot of tournaments and stuff and just just tried to see where I could go with it and just practice a lot, fell in love with the game and all that stuff. I used to play basketball, too. I played that up through sophomore year of high school and then kind of... I was like, I, I'm not really going to go anywhere with this, so what's what's the point in keeping to play it? So that's when I really started to get more serious about golf yet. And, I mean, here I am now, so just yeah. got yeah. to keep putting in the time and stay patient and wait for my moment. I mean, you, you, you mentioned high school. That was uh, McCook, I believe, in Nebraska. Yep, correct. You won, you won plenty as, as a junior, I think. Class B events, um, also as a senior, I believe. And and the team, I think it was the Bisons, is it, back there? Um, yep, McCook Bison. Uh, yeah, McCook Bisons, and you lead them to two state titles in three years. So it must have been an awesome time, both for you, the team, and the school. Had they had anything quite like that? I mean, we're going to come to, obviously, what you've done at uni as well. But had the school ever had that type of type of golfing success? Um, It's actually been probably, I want to say, around 15 years-ish, somewhere in there since the last time that they've actually had a team that had the potential to do something like that. I can't remember if any of the other teams have won two out of three state titles in the three years, but I mean, I think it was, if I remember right, I think it was, we set a school record as well with our scores. So, I mean, it was, it's kind of hard to say or see if there's a team that can compare to that from the same school being such a small town too. I saw a tweet that you put out, which which is probably relevant to a lot of your your high school college career. Which somebody put up, Nebraska athletes are overlooked in every sport. And do you think it is because of the size of the schools? Is there a particular reason? Um, I'm not really sure because even though we're kind of a smaller Class B school, we still find a way to go out and compete with the bigger Class B schools. So it's just. I don't know. I think it's just more the competitive drive that our teams would have just like playing against each other and just not making it easy on each other. Basically, I feel like that's what made us made us stand out from the other teams. Excellent. How different would be the team events and the, and the individual events? So what do you prefer? Do you feel more pressure as a team or do you feel as though you've got more backup with players behind you? That's actually kind of a tough question because all all my college career, you got to play for both the team and yourself. So it's just it's hard to really, I guess, play for yourself because you want to make the right decision for the team, too, and make sure you can go out and post as good as number as you can. Because, I mean, you got four guys or you got five guys and you take the top four scores. So four guys got to have a solid score. So it's just all about eliminating the big numbers and. Just trying to make as many pars and birdies as you can, but I mean, I didn't really see, I didn't really see much of a transition between that. 
I guess. I don't know. It's it's kind of a touchy situation for me, I find. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you play your best, you'd play for the team. And if you happen to, to score the best that you seem to have done quite a lot, then obviously that, you know, you can win the individuals. I mean, in 2016, I think you win two Golfer of the Year trophies as well. I think they're the KNOP one, is that right? And the Telegraph Golfer of the Year. At that stage, are you aware that this is what you want to do as a profession? Or, or was that much before? Um, that was actually much before. I would say probably – I actually have wanted to play professional golf since about seventh grade. So about the year after I started getting pretty serious about it is when I realized that this is what I – this is kind of what I want to do because I grew up watching like Tiger and Phil and watching them battle it out. And I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with the game that way and just have had no regrets since. So I just, oh. just trying to keep on going. Yeah, they, they, they certainly put a few bums on seats, those two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, after that, you've got, I, I believe you've got a choice of a few, is it a few colleges, a few unis? So you've got. Pepperdine in California is it Gonzaga in Washington and Nebraska but you choose you choose to go your way was there any particular way why you decided to not go to those probably more more well-known institutions uh yeah for me to be honest it was more on the academic side I was never really the best student so I just don't really think the universities wanted to take a chance on me on the grade side so I mean they never really offered me anything but they wanted me to come there so I don't know it's just it was a tough situation because I, I was after my sophomore year of college at junior college in Beatrice Nebraska and it was like first week of June and I hadn't signed anywhere yet had no idea where I was gonna go and probably a couple weeks before that my dad ran into a guy that played at a different junior college who we actually played against at nationals in Alabama and they ran into each other at the airport in Dallas, and he asked where I was going because I just finished third place and then runner-up the year before that. And he said we, were, we weren't really decided on a place yet, and he mentioned this school down here, how it was a brand-new school. It was going to be going to be their second year and all that stuff, and the coach trying to find players, and it's located in Arizona, which I've been wanting to get down here south for a couple years now. And this is kind of this is kind of my chance, even though tuition's a little pricier being a private university. But all in all, it was definitely definitely worth it in the end. Oh, excellent! Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, 2017, you get nominated for the Arnold Palmer team, and I think Bill Campbell was your coach then. And he said Correct, that you were, yep. you were you were top ten of any player that he's coached in 31 years, I believe. Which obviously you've backed yeah. up with those with that second and third in the national. So, I, look, I don't know what's gone through there, but it doesn't really matter. 31 years is a is an awful long time, so that's that's a great compliment. Can you just talk us through when you're nominated for the Arnold Palmer team? What what does that entail? What does that get you to the final group of how many? I'm honestly not 100% sure on that. I think there's a pretty good list, and it's kind of – I think it's a committee that decides. I don't really know how they put everything into effect, like, strength, say, like, strength of field or how difficult the courses we played were compared to other courses and all that stuff. So I'm just not really 100% sure how all of that works. You know, it's a cracking team, and it, it obviously would have been an awesome experience. But, yeah, like you say, it, it may well be. This is what I'm saying about the, the maybe the Nebraska thing. It potentially overlooked just because of that. Having said that, you, you, I suppose you can't knock people coming from the top colleges, I suppose. 
I mean, yeah. When you're when you're comparing Southeast Community College to like University of Oregon or Gonzaga or places like that, obviously people are gonna kind of skip over Southeast Community College and be like, oh, who's this guy? Blah blah blah, and they're gonna see, oh, this person went to Oregon and they were ranked top 60 in the golf stat rankings. Why don't we pick him instead? So I mean, it's just I don't know. That's just kind of the way it is, and. I don't really see it changing a whole lot because JUCO, JUCO is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I had absolutely no regrets going to JUCO my first two years. It saved a lot of money. And I've honestly had some of my best memories from college at JUCO as well. So, I mean, it's just, I think everybody's kind of got their own opinion between the two things, but it, it's difficult to explain it. To a what certain extent say about the, with the juco is you know I, I watch a program on netflix and if you have as well in terms of last chance you which is the american football program and a lot of those mm-hmm. guys are guys that have been at you know d1 schools and and kind of been kicked out for whatever reason or, or you know not making the grades like you say academics and things like that was it a case of you're trying to go to that juco school to get yourself into the d1 ncaa schools or was it just a way for you to go um it, it actually was it was a way to try to get into the D1 NCAA, some NCAA school, but it didn't end up working out because I didn't have the best ACT score. So if you go to, I guess, two years of junior college, you don't have to take an ACT after that. And if your GPA and your credits and all that stuff transfer, then you can then you can move on to a bigger NCAA school, D1, D2, or D3. But it just didn't end up working out like that, which I'm not. I'm not upset it did. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to love to be a corn husker and say that I played for him, but I had to also make a decision that was the right thing for me, and I felt like this was it. So. Yeah, and do you think that also it kind of gives you a bit more freedom to to progress your golf game without the spotlight being on yourselves? I mean, now we're seeing guys like Matthew Wolves and Colin Morikawa as soon as they're sort of in their senior year of, of college and things like that, that already they're looked at as professionals or interviewed as professionals, you know, their sponsorships are already being out there and things like that. And there's a lot of pressure to perform straight away, whereas you've kind of been able to go sort of under the radar and turn professional and maybe progress at your own pace. Uh yeah, I feel like I've kind of I've kind of been overlooked my whole career, I feel like, but I'm a grinder, so I I work my butt off every day as hard as I can on the golf course. So I'm just trying to trying to get my name out there a little more because I know I have the I have the potential to go out and compete with any of these guys on the Outlaw Tour and all that stuff. I just got to I got to get comfortable on the professional aspect i guess because it's it's a little bit different feel from amateur golf for sure but i mean for the most part at the end of the day you're still playing golf and i haven't really noticed a whole lot of difference in the way the courses are set up from college to professional yet anyway but i'm sure i'm sure i'll run into something like that at some point yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes just speaking to some of the people we've spoken to, uh, a couple of Oklahoma State guys have, have kind of said that Carson Creek was set up so tough that anything they played on, you know, the professional tours was kind of almost a bit easier. So it's it's not necessarily a case of, you know, you're going to step up to a professional game and it's suddenly going to become a lot harder. If you're, if you're good at the level you've been playing at, you should be able to transition that into the, the next level. It maybe is, like you say, just getting used to the other things that come with being a professional golfer, not just on the course. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like 
for example, the money aspect, I think I mentioned this in the podcast I did on fantasy golf bag is just trying not to try not to think about the money side or let the money get in the way and just stick to my game plan and play my game and just trust myself and commit to every shot that I possibly can and just see what happens. But I mean, there's a few points in the, uh, round yesterday where I started to think about the money, which I kind of brought myself back out of it, I felt like, and kind of got myself back into the round. I mean, obviously, I wasn't satisfied with my score, but I wasn't upset by it. But it's just, I don't know, it's just, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just trying to get over that aspect and just play my game, basically. It is difficult, though, isn't it? Because you're you know, this is now your profession. It's not a case of, you know, at college and, and places like that. Yes, you had tuition fees and things, but you, you've got a free ride with golf, right? So you're not paying to enter tournaments. Whereas this time you're putting your own money up. You need to win this money to, to get your livelihood and things like that. So whereas some of these, probably these higher, you know, level NCAA schools, the college athletes are probably coming out and getting sort of sponsors invites and sort of handouts. You know, you're going in and you've got to grind for every dollar that you earn it's very easy to to start thinking about the money over a shot and and that maybe is one of the more difficult things to try and put out yeah definitely i mean i felt like i did pretty well with that yesterday though for the most part compared to the week before but i it's just like i said it's just the more experience i get the the more comfortable i'm going to feel on the golf course in situations like that yeah, and talking of experience there, you know, there's been a, a lot of sort of, some people have, have not liked it and some people have, there's been a sort of like a split opinion of, you know, the guys like Alex Chekia and, and people like that that have come into these mini tour events and, and won or played well. And, you know, there's a lot of PGA guys a couple of weeks ago played. Do you sort of relish that competition so you can stack yourself up against these guys? Because, you know, eventually you want to get to that standard and play at that level, don't you? You don't want to sort of like be scared of, of their level of play. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, I'm very confident in my game, which you have to be at this level. Otherwise, <laughs> if you're scared of a shot, you're you're gonna crumble in a hurry. That's for sure. You just gotta you gotta be committed to every shot. And I mean, it's just it's a mindset. If you have in the back of your mind that you can beat somebody, and you basically kind of will yourself to do that, then anything's possible. So I mean, it's just you just gotta believe in yourself and. I believe in myself highly, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go try to play my game and see if I can shoot a lower number than any of those guys. Yeah, it's a great attitude to have. Jason, I know you have obviously have a couple more questions you want to ask. Yeah, I mean, again, going back, I mean, your your peak period seems to be obviously when you moved to Ottawa University, Arizona. Your dominance there, both individual and team, is is quite incredible to read. Again, can I ask just quickly what's the decision to go to that to that uni? Uh yeah, I actually. There actually really wasn't a uh, decision to go here. It was kind of my only option in the situation we were in because University of Nebraska was in the process of hiring a new coach. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to take the risk of having a chance of saying him saying that the other coach was recruiting me and he wants to he wants to wipe the slate clean and bring in all of his own guys or something like that so I just decided to come to Ottawa University didn't take a visit out here didn't know anybody my dad and I drove out in one day and then we kind of got a tour of the campus the next day it was it was small at first but it's definitely grown a lot in a year when I first got here there was one building that we had classes in 
no dorms. We were actually staying in a hotel down the road about a mile from our campus. That was kind of our dorms. So, I mean, that was kind of a, it was, it was a shock at first when I saw that, cause that was where I was staying. And this year they got dorms. Now they got a student union. Uh, they had a football field last year, but they got the gymnasium built. This, the campus is just growing so fast. It's honestly kind of incredible. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, you know, it's great. And and you have to have some sort of influence as, as sort of future, in future golfers. I mean, if we look at it, you'll you defend the Firestone Invitational, I think, in 18 and 19. You qualify, I think, for the US Amateur, just missing that by two shots to go into the weekend. What was that experience like for you? Um, That was probably, that was definitely the biggest golf tournament I've ever played. And I mean, it was just, it was just a hard test of golf and teeing off early the second round after putting myself in pretty good position after the first round shooting one over <laughs> Piners number two is just hard. I mean, the scoring average the day I played, it was eight over par 78. So, I mean, that just shows you how difficult of a test of golf it was with 312 of the best amateurs across the world. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no harm in that whatsoever. 2020 this year, well, what what there has been of this year, which is like again totally dominant. I think you take your team to win a tournament by 36 shots over two rounds. Win the individual, win the team. You've been made All American. Um, how many times now? I mean, it's just it's all over this sheet. 2020, <laughs> you get made All American with uh, with your college mate. Is it Alexander Vander Vander Vandermolen? Yep. 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 Vandermolen. And you again, you're the first players from that uni to make that team. So I just wonder whether you know we we spoke about. Yeah, the, the smaller universities. I just wonder whether this type of success will encourage far more people to look at these universities and look and go, yeah, you know, they can make the All-American team. They can be successful. They can make who knows where you're going to go or where your colleagues are going to go on in the next couple of years. So it does seem though there might be momentum there. You, you say the uni's building and building. Maybe you were the start of it, Noah. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of my thought process too when I first decided to come here was maybe I can – Maybe I can help grow this program as well and kind of help it just explode out of nowhere. And I feel like I kind of – I've definitely left my impact on the program. I would have liked to finish this, this spring season out, but unfortunately it didn't It didn't work out with all the stuff going on. But that's all right. Life goes on. And, I mean, that I would say that's probably my only regret of my whole college career was the spring season getting canceled. Yeah, I mean, how, do, how does that finish? So you're in college and you're playing away and you're doing your business and then it just stops? Well, at first we were told uh, we were actually getting to the meat of our schedule. Like we were getting ready to see all the top NAIA schools in the nation actually next week before they actually canceled it. And a couple teams started pulling out and all that stuff for the field. And so they just ended up canceling it. And then the NAI put a two-week suspension on all sports activities and stuff. So then I think probably a few days after that, the NCAA just canceled everything for the spring. But we were still on the two-week two-week suspension thing. And I would say probably after the first week is when they decided just to cancel the rest of the season and all that stuff. So, I mean, we still kind of had some hope at first, but in reality, it, it probably wasn't going to happen. No, which must be it must be a great shame when you when you consider what you've done this year, even in only a sort of two or three months, you're you're completely dominant. 
you must be very very proud to take that sort of team i mean we've been reading it and and the the um the camaraderie and and the the effect and the confidence that you must have when you walk into a team event certainly at this level you must feel you're unbeatable or were unbeatable should i say uh yeah obviously that was that's kind of my goal every tournament i go into is to try to win and try to do do everything i can do to try to win so but i mean i feel like our team this year, we definitely kind of had that intimidation factor going to tournaments. I notice also that I think when I've looked at a couple of the couple of the events, uh, ACU Spring Invitational and the Masters University Spring Invite. I think, although you are you are a big hitter, I mean, I think those who don't know, I think you carry a two iron, don't you, rather than a, a three wood. I think. <laughs> so funny story about that uh, ACU tournament. You guys are going to laugh about this. So I think it was the tournament before that, or no, sorry, it was the week before that. I actually had the original M23 wood. I've had it for a while, and it finally cracked. So I was <laughs> using one of my teammates, uh, one of my teammates' hy- three hybrids as an M1, and <laughs> so play the first round at the ACU tournament, perfectly fine. I think I shot like three under, solid round. Get to the second hole of the second round on the same day, and my driver cracks. Can't replace it. So I'm banging this three hybrid off the tee the entire second round and somehow shot 68 hitting hybrid off of every tee box. And then get to the third round, and I was actually lucky enough to go to PGA Superstore just down the road from my house, and they lended me a uh, demo Maverick, Callaway Maverick head. I had the uh, Callaway Epic Flash Sub-Zero. But they didn't have any sub zero, so I just tried out the Maverick and it worked out the third round too. So it was just it's just kind of a funny story. Nobody really knows about that besides the people on our team and stuff. Yeah, just dealing with the hand that you've been dealt, I suppose, and trying to adapt on the fly. It must be, uh, you know, because a lot of people talk about being comfortable with clubs and things like that, but that just shows obviously that you can, uh, you know, you can pick something off the shelf and uh, and make it work if you need to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, d- I don't know if you know, you, you will know probably, you led or you led most stats at, at college, but in those wins, you actually lead the par three stats. Now, I'll come on to, to why that's relevant later on. I, I'd expect you probably to lead the par five stats, but it's quite interesting that you lead these lead these shorter hole stats. Look, at the end of the day, the, the season's finished. You played your first event in the Outlaw Tour, which for those that don't know, is is really kept golf going over the last 10 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. certainly the interest, I know the interest over in America has been through, um, various, I mean, the outlaw tour has got a fantastic Twitter account. DraftKings have obviously got involved and over here we were starved of golf as well. And because I think really because of the great social media and because people like Checker were, were getting involved, we started taking that on and, and golf fans, golf betters, everybody like that has concentrated on the outlaw tour and the cactus tour for, for the women quite highly over here there's been betting on it and everything else like that so all your names are are now beginning to filter down into a much wider audience than you might actually imagine or that might have done had this pandemic not come in when you played when you played your first tournament i think you're an amateur but were you should you have played as a professional i I didn't quite didn't quite get that part uh yeah so i'm gonna i'll go back to about probably last week of january I was going to sign, I signed up for uh McKenzie Tour Q School out at Wigwam Gold Resort, which is actually one of our home courses here at Ottawa. 
So I signed up for that, and I think it was the week of that tournament. We were still kind of on our suspension, but Q School hadn't been canceled or postponed or anything yet. So I want to say it'd be first or second week of March maybe is when this was. And it was actually first round of the Western Skies tournament. We found out our season was officially canceled. So I, I, I ended up playing that tournament as a professional because I didn't want to, I just didn't want to jump right into it right away and kind of force the issue. I wanted to play that event as an amateur, see how I did. And I played, I played solid golf. I wouldn't say I played my best golf, but I mean, I was only four shots out of the lead. So I talked to my dad, talked to my coach and I mean, just made the, made the decision to turn pro and. I mean, Q School ended up getting postponed, so they had a McKenzie Q School prep tournament. That ended up getting canceled in the practice round, which was going to be my first pro start. So then they came up with an event for the next week at Barado Golf Club, and then this was this was a big incident. Fifteen of us got DQ'd for playing the wrong tee box. I saw I'm that. Sure yeah. you guys I, couldn't that. I couldn't understand what had happened there because was the guy, you know, was, was it some people on the course that hadn't told you guys where to go correctly? It wasn't obviously you guys well, getting it wrong. Obviously, the Outlaw Tour has their own tee markers and stuff, but there was it was the third hole of the tournament, and there was a backup on this par three, and this course is kind of in the mountains a little bit, so. You can only see one tee box. You can't see, like, other tee boxes from the back tee. And everybody just started going where the group in front of them was hitting from. And it turns out we played 30 yards behind where the actual tee marker was. <laughs> so, I mean, it was – nobody just re- – nobody realized until it was – until the rules official asked us what we played the yardage at. Oh, that's crazy, and... isn't it? So you, but you're – so you're basically at a disadvantage. So you're 30 yards further back and – and yeah, and you get DQ'd for it. It's, it's, I know it's obviously it has to be, I suppose, because of the rules. But yeah, it's not like you were trying to, t- you know, get an easy route out. <laughs> I mean, with everything going on, we thought maybe they might do, maybe give us with like a ding us with a two shot penalty or a three shot penalty or something like that. But I mean, it didn't end up working out. I I figured it probably wouldn't, but. I mean, you just never know what to expect, especially with all the stuff going on. So, I mean, it was just, it was, I'll never do it again. I can tell you that. It'll never happen again. You love a bit of controversy, which uh, which is the, uh, we'll come to in a minute. At that Western Skies, you finished tied ninth, which had you been a professional, I'm sure you know, would have won you, I think, about $900. Is that right? Yep. I think so. Right around there. Lead the par three. You, you rank one in uh, the par three scores, par or better, led or tied. And bogey-free streak, again, 43 holes tied there. So so there's clearly encouragement there. Having said that, just quickly say that, that $900, if you win nine of those Monday skins that you keep playing, then you get that $900 back anyway, don't you? So you can cover that in a couple of months, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, pretty dang close. <laughs> I mean, from the Western Classic, you had that, what turned out to be a, a, a sort of DraftKings controversy where you weren't aware that a previously postponed tournament was actually you'd, you'd actually been automatically entered is that right yeah so it was the wigwam q school mckenzie prep or wigwam mckenzie prep tournament for q school that was march 31st through april 2nd i believe that got canceled the day before the tournament so i guess six weeks later they that this was supposed to be a makeup tournament and 
like after that wigwam tournament got canceled, I thought my swing coach was getting his money back and like getting my name off the list and all that. And I just wasn't even expecting to play. And turns out I had a tea time and with me not expecting to play, I didn't look at my email or check, look at the tea times or anything like that. And I guess like the outlaw tour tweeted out saying that I was a no show and they don't know where I am. So I had like a 6.30 tea time or something like that. And I woke up at like 7 and I was like, what the heck is going on? So I called the head guy of the Outlaw and Golden State Tour and talked to him. He said, oh, just tweet out your side of the story. And I did that. But the out, the guy that runs the Outlaw Tour page accidentally clicked hide tweet. And he couldn't unhide the tweets. And I guess a bunch of people noticed. So they were making a big deal about it, saying how... It was BS, blah, 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 all that stuff. But we got we got all that stuff sorted out now, so we're, mm. we're good on that side. But it was, it was just crazy the way it happened. It, it's quite incredible. You, you, I suppose you think you just go doing along your business and then, again, because of the exposure of this tour in this particular time, because, you know, it's one of the only ones that are taking place, you're exposed to a lot more people in any mistake. They just come out of the woodwork, don't they, really? Let's, you know, I don't know where these people come from sometimes. Uh, <laughs> okay, as you say, your next tournament, you take a few weeks off, I think. I, I, I couldn't find much um, until until missing uh, the cut at the uh, TPC uh, Champions, I think. Again, you weren't that far off making the cut. Do you, do you think your game was at the same level as it was at uh, Western Skies? I mean, it's kind of hard to say because it was just a completely different golf course and it was definitely way longer than Western Skies too, but I mean, I just honestly made some bad swings in that second round and just a few too many bogeys in the first. I kind of struggled with my lag putting the first round, which led to some of those bogeys. But second round, I I missed more fairways than I did in the first round and just got into some trouble and just just couldn't really get into a rhythm. And like I said, played the last three two over to miss the cut by two. So, do you, do you just shrug that off and go? It's it's one of those things. There's always next week. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't go out there and expect to shoot 65 every mm-hmm. round or make every single cut. And I mean you're gonna have off days. It's just with a matter of how you deal with it, how you handle yourself on your off days, and how you compose yourself, and just basically keep your mentality saying that it's a process and just keep believing in yourself that it'll come and you're waiting for your opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, in a lot of the interviews we've had, we've, we've always asked, you know, what do you think the difference is between shooting that 65 and shooting 73? And it is minute, isn't it? It, it can be. It, it honestly is. It's, I kind of find, I used to find myself if I'd get off to a fast start, say like, four under through nine or five under through nine, I'd shoot like even par on the back nine. But now that I'm doing that more, I'm also getting more comfortable and it's not, I'm not getting out of my comfort zone, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, it's a fact about that too, getting in your comfort zone and just believing in yourself too, that you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the, the shorter course? I think Western Skies, you, you said played about six and a half thousand. Is that right? in the desert yeah yeah do you prefer do you um, prefer that or do you prefer i mean I'm, I'm looking here you hit a 371 yarder a couple of days ago off, off on the 18th hole so i'm guessing the longer the better but the stats suggest that you're quite happy on the shorter courses 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice to switch it up like that, honestly. I've played multiple golf courses that are short, but they're very tricky. But, I mean, I've also played long golf courses that are pretty easy for the most part. So, I mean, it's just – you kind of – it's it just depends on the kind of course you're playing, I guess. I mean, obviously – there's some courses out there that don't really fit my eye, but at the same time, you just, you still got to go out and play golf too. So. And what would, what would be your, your perfect course? If you, if you could name a course that, that you've played, what would be that perfect course where, you know, you'll go there every single time and, and shoot mid sixties, low sixties, whatever. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably have to say my home course back in Nebraska, Heritage Hills golf club. I mean, it's, it's not an easy golf course, but I've just played there thousands of times. You just It's just kind of automatic. You grab driver, tee it up, and just hit it where you know to hit it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's just kind of like that, too. Obviously, the more you play a course, the more comfortable you're going to feel, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that that's great to hear because I'll say, you're, you're, you know, your man, your man, the tracker man, is always telling us how, how you're bombing it. So, it's great to see that. And as I say, you're looking at seeing these – leading par three stats so it's great to hear that it doesn't matter what course it's going to be you're, you're you're always feeling that you can contend which is which is fantastic i mean obviously then we come to southern dunes i think yeah look i mean level par yesterday slot just outside the money but you you are trending in the right direction as they love to say over there so what are your what are your plans for the next month two months say um so it's all going to start next week i got the outlaw event out at lone tree starting on monday so I'll do that, and then I kind of kind of got some time off, so I'm going to get back to Nebraska after next week and uh, probably just continue to work on my game, maybe make a trip out to Colorado and see my coach for a few days, do that. And then I think June 29th would be my next one, which is I think it's a Corn Ferry Tour qualifier event at TPC Colorado. So I would play in that, and then I think July 7th is the Colorado Open Qualifier, and then after that would be the Wyoming. So I'll kind of have all three of those in one trip, and then I'm not really too sure what's after that yet. That's absolutely fantastic. Difficult time, isn't it? Because, you know, I suppose turning pro this year, obviously you had intentions to to qualify for the McKenzie Tour, and, and that's now not available, and the Corn Ferry Tour qualifying school is going to be cancelled, things like that. So uh, I believe there is some Monday qualifiers going ahead for the for the PJ and Corn Ferry events this year. So are you trying to enter some of those just to, to get yourself in there? Uh, yeah, obviously I'll I'll try to get into the Monday qualifier for the Pinnacle Bank Championship too in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, some tournaments like that and maybe try to get into a PGA Monday qualifier somewhere, depending on where it is. I don't, I just don't really know for sure yet what's – who knows, like everything could get, end up getting cancelled in, in another month from now. You just you don't know with what's going on right now. But I mean, I'm just kinda trying to get a general idea of what I wanted to play in over the summer. So right now it's just kinda it's kinda these next four tournaments coming up, counting next week. Are you invited to the memorial? Because I know you're nominated finalist in the Jack Nicholas Award. Do you all get invited to, to the memorial by any chance or I'm not really sure how that would work. I haven't heard anything else on it yet, but yeah, I'm just not really, I'm not a hundred percent sure how that would work. I think you're, so you're actually going to get, so the winner of the award will get announced at the memorial, won't they? Mm. It's just whether 
whether you actually get invited to mm. to be there on stage or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's it's also if they allow any spectators to. Oh, yeah. oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, we forget that type of thing. Well, look, no, I mean I'm hoping that gives insight to to a lot of European tour followers about what's going on over there. Like I say, at loss for words, we you know we love to to encourage those that are just starting on their career and and we hope we're there right at the beginning you know for me i mean if you're right with this time i mean we, we you know wish you luck at the uh jack nicholas award wish you luck next week at the lone tree we'll be watching certainly um, anybody who's not just just look on noah hoffman tracker if you want to have some uh you know who that is obviously don't you who, who is i that? actually like i don't know the guy like i know his name <laughs> i know his first name but that's it i don't actually know who he is he just said he's a guy from He's a guy from uh, Chicago. Is that strange? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he honestly did it at first kind of as a joke, and then he realized he's starting to get a lot of followers and stuff. So my buddy that was actually caddying for me this week was taking those videos and sending them to him. So I was, it was kind of cool to see that round one highlights video too. It's, it's, it can't do you any harm, can it? I think, I think if, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you too. <laughs> when you look at these older players, uh, it's taken them a long time to adjust to social media because of your age. You can embrace it. It's great for publicity. If you do something great, a lot more people will know about it. And that can only be good for you. It can only be good for future sponsors. It can only be good for getting your name out there. So, you know, I, I'm great. I'm, I'm glad that you're embracing it. It's very scary, as you rightly say. And uh, it's better than the Tiger Woods one. So, you yeah, know, I, mean, what I'm glad you I don't have a tracker, but then there's nothing really to, uh, to follow with me. So, you know, it's one of those things, but it must be a bit of a strange sensation. But Noah, where do you think it's a bit different now because of all the events that have been cancelled and the queue scores and things like that? But where do you envision yourself in a year's time and when we talk again, where, where you'll be with your golf game? I mean, I'm hoping maybe to have status on some kind of tour, whether that's Monday qualifying in and getting a high finish or somehow trying to maybe get a win getting through after getting through a monday qualifier or something like that but i mean anything can honestly happen you just you never know you just got to stick to the process keep grinding it out and just believe in yourself basically yeah i completely agree that's a, i think that's the beauty of golf is that you know things can change in a matter of you know three four five weeks where get a hot hand and and win a couple of events i mean if you win next week in the outlaw tour event that that's certainly going to put your name out there and and maybe you get some invites in places once the tours get back up and going. So, you know, let's uh, cross our fingers for you and hope that uh, those calls come soon. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you guys very much. No, it's been an absolute pleasure.